Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio and show number 427 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're out there raising awareness and running events through our area networks right around the country and our topic and sector specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice. You can visit engageforsuccess.org to learn more. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly newsletter so you never miss out on any of the great free resources, events and updates. And I'm Andy Gorham, your host for today's show and founder of BizJuicer, a consultancy that helps companies connect their purpose and proposition to your people, creating stickier, more successful businesses from the inside out. Now, no one can deny that the last two years has changed many things in our working and personal lives. To use an overused phrase, this has been an unprecedented time. But what are going to be the after effects for businesses after all of this? And I'm not really talking about will we be working more remotely and all that kind of stuff. The vast majority of workers don't have a choice and don't do jobs that make that possible. So, no, what I'm referring to here is how will this affect how we successfully engage our people, giving them a chance of being at their very best every day? Will it change things? Has it changed things? Is it more important now than ever? And what should we be doing about it? Well, today I'm speaking with a very special guest, Emma Bridger founder of The People Lab, and author of the book, Employee Engagement, which was published seven years ago, but is about to have a third edition printed. Emma is one of the world's leading voices on engagement and works closely with the CIPD and other bodies, as well as advises the government task force on engagement as part of the Guru Group. Absolutely the best person to help us answer these questions and more. Welcome to the show, Emma. Oh, thanks, Andy. Nice to be back. Good to have you back. Very good to have you back. And on a topic that you wrote a book about, using the same words in the title. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, So many questions. Well, so many questions and things to discuss in such a short time together, Emma. So I want to make sure I use my time as effectively as possible. So let's get straight into it. And let's start with those words, employee engagement. As author of that book, do you think we're any closer to having a definitive definition of employee engagement at this uh-huh. point in time? Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's, a re- that's a great question to start us off. And um, <laughs> as, as you said, it's the third edition of the book. So I really wanted to revisit the definition uh, conundrum. Um, and, and actually, one of, the, one of the best contributions that I found was a brilliant report from um, Johnny Gibbons and Jake Young at the CIPD, which is well worth a look. And they did a whole piece of uh, what's called a, a rapid evidence assessment of employee engagement to look at definitions and measures and outcomes. And uh, if you're interested, go download it. But I've, I've got a summary in the book. And really what they wanted to do was um, really have a – well, just – try and develop a stronger understanding of what engagement is, um, mm. you know, and, and they began by looking at, is, is there an agreed definition? And it will come as no surprise that their answer is no. Um, <laughs> and when I, when I first researched the book, you know, all those years ago, I found 50 plus definitions and counting. Um, but what I think what's really interesting is even though we don't have this kind of single universal definition, which we'd love, 
what they do say in their, their research or an outcome of their research is that um, despite the lack of agreement, um, they don't think we need to abandon the label, which is which is good good news for, for us, right? Um, and they recognise that the, the sort of the, the, the research recognises that the field of practice of employee engagement has made a positive contribution to what they call progressive people management practice. Um, so I think that's really interesting to kind of uh, you know take that view. And and you know what what they talk about really is that sort of starting point is is that. We, we get quite muddled in employee engagement. So we kind of used the term as both a kind of a, a catch-all umbrella philosophy, which, which is kind of where I come from, versus mm. a very, very precise um, concept that can be precisely measured. And, and the problem comes when we kind of mix the two. So we can't, on the one hand, talk about, you know, it being a kind of a, a management philosophy and then say we can measure it. And, and, you know, we have a, an employee engagement index of, of you know, 83% or whatever it might be. The, the two don't mix. So what they really kind of, I said their call to action is sort of saying, you know, we need to, we must do better in terms of whatever organization we're, we're working in, working for, getting clear on what we mean by engagement. And then we can understand how we want to measure it. And that's really where I've been coming from for many years, sort of saying, you know, the starting point should always be to say, what do we mean by engagement in our organization? And therefore, how do we want to measure it? How should we measure it based on our definition? So that's yeah. I like, a, a I like that. A, that, that. Yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense, Emma. And within mm. within within that, because yeah, measuring is complex and needs to be yeah. rooted in what the business does. Do does the report? Do you feel that there are key consistent themes within that umbrella employee engagement that that are familiar and consistent everywhere, or at least should be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, as anyone that's kind of familiar with, with the work that people have, what we do, they'll know that we are huge advocates of, of taking a strength-based approach to engagement. So, mm. you know, starting off by asking your people, what does good look like for you? So just gathering evidence and stories and data to say, you know, when I'm at my best, here's what's going on for me. And we call this our best experience approach. And we've collected probably thousands of these best experience stories um, over the last sort of 12 years from every corner of the world. And when COVID came along, um, finally got around to, we'd always analyze them for the organization, right? But we never kind of looked at the, the whole kind of data set as one. Finally got around to looking at that. And off the back of that, we developed what we call our, our Magica model, which says that there are two kind of sides of the coin. The one side of the coin are what we call the universal themes. They come up in every story or most stories. And Magica yep. stands for, it's, it's an acronym, so it's, it's me, if I remember, it's meaning, uh, appreciation, growth, impact, uh, connection, challenge, and autonomy. And then whether you're working, you know, in, in a factory in China or uh, a call center in, in, in Oman, wherever you are, whatever job you do, they tend to feature. But the other side of the coin, which is absolutely, is equally if not more important, are the individual differences. So for every person that says, I was at my best when I had a complete blank sheet of paper and I could make it my own and it was kind of up to me how I went about it. There'll be someone else that says, there was a really clear brief. I knew exactly what was expected of me and it was black and white. So we absolutely cannot ever make assumptions about what engages our people. We can get halfway there with the universal themes, absolutely. But the other half of the story, we have to go and find that out. Oh, so true. People are complex. As, uh, mm. as someone said to me, People are messy. It's like jelly juggling. And I, mm. I think that is one of the, the pitfalls that people can fall down to. I think the overall concept of it that we can all agree is relatively simple and engaged mm. being an outcome. But actually how we get there and what engages different people, as you say, a whole yeah. mix of things. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
if we do try and look at the the measures or let's just give us an indication of where we are today in the world mm. the the recent global workforce review didn't make great mm. reading right no. for, for engagement <laughs> um, no. i think i'm i'm being i'm understating it but what are your takeouts from this and perhaps other pieces of research on the state of engagement right now emma mm. yeah i mean again it's it's a tough one because Every every report you read is measuring slightly different things because there isn't this universal definition. So it's really hard to do a proper comparative review. And if I go back to my days as an academic, you know, psychological constructs are very, very precise and very clear about what they're measuring. So hmm. you can look at the kind of global workforce reviews. You can look at like, you know, just do a Google search on the state of global engagement and every report will give you a slightly different story. And even yeah. the measures, there's some very depressing stats out there. So you just think, oh, that looks okay. But I think what we're seeing generally is a kind of trend that is starting, starting to see engagement dip and for yeah. many years, however, however people have measured it, right, they've measured it in a certain way, like Gallup have their, their way of measuring engagement, and it's gone up, and now Gallup is saying it's the first time they're seeing it go down. So I think it tells us that we've got some work to do. And I've also heard, you know, um, ch- people challenge engagement, which I think is good. I love challenge. I think we absolutely have to have discussion and debate and challenge each other's thinking. I'm all up, all up for that. But, you know, I've, I've, I've had great conversations with people saying, you know, it hasn't worked. If it, if it had worked, then we'd see engagement go up. But, you know, for me, that's it's kind of the wrong, it's the wrong question and, and, and doesn't need us the right answer. You know, no one's going to argue that creating workplaces where people can thrive and be their best is a bad idea. We all know that's a good idea. So whatever we want to call that, we want to measure it, that is something we should all be working towards and striving towards because it benefits everybody. So I think we have, to, I think it's useful to look at the insights, but I think they are one small piece of the jigsaw one small piece of the puzzle we have to look at uh, what's going on in our organization get away from this um this kind of you know obsession with benchmarking you know it's just for me it's like i always try to encourage clients we work with you know don't benchmark because you need to look at yourselves and what does good look like for you and uh, you know yeah. measure yourself against yourself so it kind of goes back to get a bit of psychology like fixed and growth mindset you know you need to look at where you're at and where you want to be and that's really the important story, and that's what you should be measuring and looking at. I think that's so true, and maybe the reason why it hasn't moved too much in, in 20 years is that in the main, people have tried to take a common path to inverted commas solving it. And as you're, mm. as you're saying, as, as other people are saying, look, it's far more complex than that. And I think everybody wants to look over the fence and measure themselves to other people and say, oh, look, we're better than the others. Isn't that great? Mm. I'm mm. with you. I'm kind of like, let's just be self-effacing about this. What, what do we want? What, what's going to help our business achieve its goals? And at the same time, what's going to help our people be at their best, be willing to contribute, kind of, you mm-hmm. know, feel, feel like they're really part of the story and therefore, you know, involved in it. And, and I think that, that can only be a different recipe for each business, right? I Absolutely. think that's the only way forward. Yeah. And, and it goes back to, you know, when, when David and Anita wrote their, the first engage, engagement success report to government all those years ago, and they talked about transactional, transformational engagement. And um, mm. I, mean, I, I still use those concepts today. And many of the organizations I work with are really all about helping them move towards transformational engagement, which is about being proactive, forward-looking, saying, where are we now? Where do we want to get to? 
and how are we going to get there? And yeah, we, we, might, we might do a survey. That's useful data, but it's to measure our progress. We're not doing a survey to tell us what we need to fix and what's broken. We're not using it in a reactive way. And it's still really sad. For me, that's, this is one of the main reasons why we haven't seen the progress we want to, because so many organizations are stuck in that transactional space where they do the survey, they, fix, they take the bottom three things, regardless of whether they're the right things to fix or not. They just take the bottom three things and say, right, those are the areas we're performing poorly in, and they try to fix them without any kind of uh, any insights as to whether they're actually going to make a difference to the way people feel in the organization. So I think, you know, we just need to move towards a much more transformational approach to engagement to, to see the results that we want to see. Here, here. I'm all for that. Absolutely mm-hmm. right. And if I, I think if, if we hear one more person go, what's my score as the first question they ask when a survey comes mm. back? Uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's one too many. That's <laughs> one too many. Really. Yeah, um, definitely. Now, look. When we think about the movement we've seen or not seen, depending on which piece of research you've read, I don't really want to use the C word, but um, mm. how much do you think COVID has impacted these numbers, right? It's hard, to, it's hard to avoid or even think that it hasn't, but what do you think's happened? Yeah, I think, I think there are, I should expect, that there have been some positives, and, and some negatives. I think the obvious kind of elephant in the room is the huge impact of COVID on well-being, on employee well-being. I think at the beginning of, of COVID, you know, we actually saw engagement scores go up. Go back to scores. I'm saying I'm, I'm, not, I'm not into scores, but we, you know, we. And I think the reason that we saw people kind of be a bit more well, I think the reason we saw that was because it was kind of like a, you know, it's a burning platform moment. It's a challenge. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, this stuff's happening out in the world. It's really scary. What what can we do to help? What can we do to make things better? You know, and I, I have friends and family. I, I won't mention who and companies they work for. He said for the first time, they felt like their companies cared about them. Um, yeah. One of my family members works for a company that's a pretty toxic place to work. I won't mention who it is, or, you know, the company who, who the company is. But um, this, this family member sort of said for the first time, they felt like the company cared about them. And I think we've seen... Um, you know, some, some real kind of uh, humanizing of the approach to our people. And, and interestingly, you know, although we've, for many of us, we've been kind of, you know, not in person for a long time. So you say, well, it has that helped connection. You talked about connection, Emma. But actually, I think we've connected in a much more fundamental way because we've, we've seen the real people. We've seen, I mean, one of the clients we work with, um, one of the managers there admitted that they didn't know that one of their team had kids until they were on a Zoom call with them, which is, oh, which is crazy. Goodness. But yeah. You know, and you suddenly you're in people's homes. And I, you know, right back at the beginning, I remember doing um, um, uh, a workshop with, with Starbucks. And um, it's about, I was about 100 people on this workshop. And my 13-year-old kind of popped up behind me and said, oh, what, what are you doing, Mama? And before COVID, I would have been mortified, you know, not professional. <laughs> and it was fine. I sort of said, oh, I'm just speaking to lovely people at Starbucks. And they are lovely people. Um, you know, so this is my son, Teddy. And they said, oh, hi, Teddy. And had a little chat. And it's, it's humanized us, you know, and, and people are much more casual in, in what they're wearing. And, and we, I think in some ways it, it, it's given us this huge dose of perspective about what really matters. So I think there have been some positives in that sense um, in terms of, you know, what matters, humanizing, greater empathy. I think the negative is absolutely the, the um, tsunami that's going to happen in terms of employee well-being because people are burnt out. They are... Even though the world feels like it's getting back to normal, you know, so many people that I'm speaking to are feeling quite low. Um, they kind of almost, although the, you know, things are kind of in the UK at least, sort of, you know, we can go out again, we can see people again. I think people are finally sort of saying, you know what, enough, I'm, I'm burnt out, and 
lot of people haven't had holidays. So I think it, it's twofold. And I think we're really going to have to focus on on genuinely, you know, caring for our people and taking well-being really seriously to um to, to overcome that that tsunami that's, that's that's already already on its well already with us. If it's not going to hit any second, you know. So that's where I think we are right now. I I, I think that's great. I mean, I do think that uh, genuine connection that's been made or not over the period of COVID is what has differentiated the really good from the bad. Mm. I, I yeah. think there's been a lot of veneer activity going on. Oh, I've got to make contact with people versus like you say, people have genuinely cared and dialed up the, the humanness. And I think, yeah. I mean, look, I love you know, the freight, the tsunami behind wellbeing because I was only speaking to someone uh, earlier today about, the current sort of planning push that's going on in business in this real clamor to make up lost ground of, of two years. Yes. And if we've yes. got a workforce that's already yes. feeling fatigued, disengaged, you know, close to burnt out and overwhelmed, mm. that's, that's only going to get worse if, if, this, yeah. if this push to try and make back time that you're probably not going to get back uh, mm. comes in full force for sure. No, I agree mm. with that. Mm. Um, just sort of, adjacent topic and i did mention it within the uh, the intro um when it comes to this fixation currently about mm. whether we're going to be working remotely or it's hybrid or we're going back to inverted commas normal that the challenges as you see them for the workforce are much broader than that right mm. yeah absolutely i think it's really interesting you know when you, when you hear people talk about hybrid, they, they're mostly talking about, um, you know, location, right? Am I going to be office-based, home-based, or somewhere somewhere else? And it is way wider than that. And I think, I mean, I saw Linda Gratton talk, did a keynote at the CIPD conference last year, and as always, she's fantastic. And I love the, the work she's done on, 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 um, on hybrid. So she talks about not just location, but about time as well. So, you know, not just where people work, but when people work. And, and I'd add another... Um, another layer to that as well talk about the jobs people do so look at job crafting as well so really mm. hybrid is about flexibility and it's, it's not anything new and companies you know before covid were, were getting this right and doing great things in order of flexibility and other companies were stuck in that kind of you know era of presenteeism and i think that we just need to really broaden our thinking when it comes to, to, to high well to hybrid or to, to where, the way we work now and just really think about you know how people get their work done and just you know, push ourselves, be provocative, disrupt, you know, think about things like job crafting, which is the ability people have to um, to change their job to suit their strengths, suit their needs. Um, you know, can people work different hours? Because let's face it, not everybody is, is able to, to, to work in a different location. If I you know, go back to Starbucks, if you're a barista at Starbucks, you've got to be in a store to, to serve coffee, right? And I think we, you know, there's a little bit of arrogance there, I think. A lot of the articles published, a lot of the conversation kind of assume the whole world are like knowledge-based workers that can work in a hybrid way. And of course, that's not the case. And we're already seeing real sort of disparity and disengagement, actually, between those that can and those that can't work in different locations. Even the people understand the... Uh, you know, the nature of the role they do means they can't work in a different location. There's still kind of a little bit of, um, yeah, a little bit of disengagement creeping in there. And we found that certainly with our clients around, you know, what do we do about that? How do we make up for that? How do we um, compensate for the fact that, you know, this, this group of employees have got this really wonderful, flexible kind of, you know, approach to work now. And this group of employees haven't. Um, it's, I think it's, it's going to be quite challenging, I think, to think about how we address that kind of issue as we, as we kind of move, move over the next sort of weeks and months and years of, of, of post-COVID world, whatever it looks like. 
I guess so, because it's almost like we haven't really learned the lessons from the beginning uh, of COVID, because those those sort of divisions were still there, even within the knowledge workers, as you sort of say, with those guys who mm. had to remain uh, in mm-hmm. place and those guys who were able to, to work from home. And I know from a lot of the work that I ended up doing with, with, with clients, you know, you could see that there were silos developing at, at that point and mm. their their feelings have kind of almost flip-flopped over time. You know, everybody had the focus on the guys at home, the guys who were left behind felt neglected, then there was a switch. Mm. Now nobody quite knows where, where they are. All sorts of bias all over the place. But I, I think you're mm. right. I think, it's, I think it's, it's going to be far less about where we work. It's, 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 how, it's how we work. And how we work together, yeah. I think, is probably most important. And I don't know about you, but the, I, I'm a big fan of using mindset and, mm. to change positive behavior. And I think a, a lot of this is that's going to have to play a role somewhere um, going mm. forward. And is this something that you see playing a role, minor or major, when it comes to sort of turning around the, the, the current supposed drop in engagement? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, as a psychologist, I, I'm, all, you know, I'm, I'm all about the mindset. And um, <laughs> I'm actually just about, about to launch a new piece of research um, looking at this. I, mean, I find fascinating um, in terms of, how can we help people? How can we support people to develop, change, adopt um, a mindset that's going to help them have a, a better experience at work? And I'm absolutely not um, shying away from the responsibilities of, the, of an organisation to help, you know, help their people have a great experience at work. Of course, they have to. There's a kind of baseline of stuff that any decent organisation should do. But equally, I think, you know, are there particular types of, of mindsets that help us to have a better experience? For example, you know, it might be that someone who has an, opt, you know, an optimistic bias, um, you know, they, they might have a better experience at work. And, and the great thing about mindset is we can teach it. So if we find that things like, you know, resilience and optimism help people to have a, a better experience at work and help them to be more engaged at work, then we have, a, we have a duty to help people develop that. You know, we know from, again, going back to well-being, we know there are certain... Uh, um, you know, certain mindsets we can help, uh, you know, individuals to develop that could positively impact their well-being. We know that. That's proven. But can we do the same when it comes to employee experience, employee engagement? So, you know, those people who are turning up to work with, um, you know, for example, in, in psychology called an internal locus of control versus an external locus of control. So internal Ooh. locus of control is it's, it, it's down to me. Um, mm. I, I, am, I, I have the kind of capacity to, to steer my own ship. And we tend to find that people with internal locus of control um, are more likely to have, you know, uh, more positive health outcomes, for example, uh, more likely to have higher, higher well-being, happiness, etc. So I, my hypothesis is that there are, a, 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 you know, a number of kind of uh, constructs like that that, that could have a, a really significant impact on the way we experience work. And, and, and it, as I said, this isn't the shift the blame for like, well, it's down to you, the individual. You know, you, you have the experience you want. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that if we find there are some links between mindset and subsequent experience and engagement, then organisations absolutely should be in need to be helping uh, people to, to develop them. So that, that's where I'm coming from with that. So just about to launch some research on that. So uh, watch this space. I'm hopefully come back in a year's time and tell you what we found out. I am. Fa- I would. Oh, I can't uh, wait to see that. Uh, that's fascinating. I. I, I think. 
I think the idea that mindset is some fluffy, nice-to-have thing is just nonsense. And, and the fact that, yes, you can teach it, you can develop it. And then if you can, in this research, prove a link to, to, to engagement, I mean, that would be fantastic. Mm. That would be fascinating. Yeah. And open up a whole avenue of, 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 of work and opportunity for people to have a more fulfilling work life, I would hope. Mm, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, now talking about things like fixed and growth mindset is becoming much more kind of normal parlance in, in organisations. And that research has been around for many, many years. And we're research from Carol many Dweck, years. who's an major psychologist. So we know that, you know, growth mindset is 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 good. It's good, it's good news. It's good for educational outcomes. It's, it's it's good for career outcomes. And we're starting to see that, you know, filter into and get baked into kind of, uh, you know, different um, people practices within organisations. So I, I think there's I think there's lots of interesting uh, avenues we could go down with this, and I'm really excited to kind of find out what's going to make a difference. Yeah, me too. Me too. And now, now talking of opportunity, I've heard you say mm. that we've been given a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity on the back of all of this change that we've, we've seen over the last couple of years. Mm. What, what exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, yeah, it, I think it is a once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-generation opportunity. I think, you know, with, with with the pandemic, as I said, you know, we've all been impacted by it. Everybody has, has made sacrifices. Everyone's been impacted by it, some way worse than others. But we, we've all been through it globally, and it's pretty rare to go through a kind of a global experience. Everyone's been through it together. And what's really interesting for me is that, you know, there's no kind of, you know, playbook on, on how, to, how to deal with this, right? There's no best practice because we've never been through it before. How would we know? No. So I think it's been a real leveller. And I think what's really exciting is that we, we're seeing some really interesting ideas and, 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 and you know, um, practice coming through in terms of, you know, the changes we can make. And, I, you know, I, I've been frustrated for many years with, you know, the way some organisations treat their people, um, you know, thinking there's a better way to do things. And I just, you know, I think it could be a force for, social positive social change and social good if we make the most of it you know and I think as I said before you know there's nothing like a global pandemic to give you a huge dose of perspective and I think you know I'm hearing people saying uh, I'm not going to work in the way I worked before I'm not just going to go back to the way things were before I think that would be a terrible travesty if we did just kind of suddenly find ourselves you know like the last few years have never happened I think we just have to make the most of it as a huge learning opportunity and I, like I said I think it's a real leveler and I think what we what we're able to, to to see are different ideas and opinions coming through. I mean, you know, certain big organisations that that would never have allowed their people to to work from home, you know, have, have done a 360 on it, and that's just one small example. Um, but I just think it's really making us think differently, think more creatively. Absolutely think that it, it's uh, really facilitated a huge increase in in empathic thinking. Um, I mean, you know, the interest now we're seeing in, in, you know, employee experience, how do we create and design experiences that are right for our people that result in engagement is something that, you know, we're talking to a lot of people about. So I just think it's just, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to embrace, you know, the, the pain that many times we've been through, but really what have we learned from this? And how can we do things better? And how can we not go back to, you know, people burning out and, and um, you know, uh, having miserable, miserable times at work? And nobody should have a miserable time where there's no, there's no I think this is this is the, the moment where we can just grab hold of the opportunity and and change things for the better. Well, let's seize it. And is this the sort of stuff that's covered in the book and the updates? And just for yeah. people listening, where can people get hold of the book, Emma? Yeah, so there's loads of great updates in the book. Um, 
got some brilliant case studies from Boots, Boots feature in there. We've got some great cases from some national national um, national health organisations. So Oxley's are in there. Um, updates on on you know the, the diversity and inclusion, uh, quality diversity and inclusion uh, piece around you know why that's so critical now for engagement more than ever. Um, there's a load of stuff in there about well-being. So some really really good updates in there. And I, you know I, I obviously done a load of the writing myself but I've got lots of contributors to, to, to share their voice in there as well so it's not just hearing my, my voice um, you can get it from the Kogan page website and we, we can give you a, a link for, for a money off code for that when it comes out it's out in May obviously it's available yeah. on Amazon and I, I would love to give a couple of uh, free copies out to listeners it's not out till May but um, I'm not sure how we do this Andy but I'm just thinking well, I might do a kind of Let's do a, a joint sort of LinkedIn post or something near yeah, the time, and we'll and yeah. we'll look for some comments and stories, yeah. and we can kind of give that out some books great. on the back of that. How about that? Yes, that sounds brilliant. Yes, that'd be fantastic. So, if you were to give listeners just one piece of advice going forwards about how they can improve engagement in this modern time of, mm. of people and teams, what would that one thing be, Emma? I think the one thing would be do not ever make assumptions about what engages your people no matter what um you know if you're working with a, a consultancy an agency whoever they say don't know how model is the right model it, it, we just talked about definitions it's not it's not true right there are so many ways you can approach it so don't make assumptions go out and ask your people what is going on for them when they're their best and listen to them and then with that insight then you can start to make the right changes so i think that's the thing that's made the biggest difference in all the work that i've done is just going out and asking people to share stories um, about when they were at their best at work and then looking at those insights and saying, okay, so we know what good looks like for our people. How do we get more of that in our, in our um, approach to work and our approach to them? Love it. That's beautiful. And all about we have time for today. So don't forget to visit engageforsuccess.org to check out the show notes and all our fab free engagement resources where you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at your leisure, including this one. Thanks very much for sharing your thoughts and insights today, Emma, and good luck with the book sales. Thank you. <laughs> we'll be back again at the same time next week. I'm Andy Gorham, and thanks for listening to the Engage for Success radio show. Engage for Success radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.